You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode. We've got 49ers at Bengals in week 14. The 6-6 six and six Niners traveling to Cincy to face the 7-5 and five Bengals. Brian Peacock here and Eric Crocker of Locked On 49ers with Jake Lisko and James Rapine of Locked On Bengals. This is a fascinating game for me, guys. And um, James, Jake, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I really feel a similar vibe this season with where the 49ers are at, where the Bengals are at. We'll make our predictions a little bit later on in this show, but I feel like these two teams can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody. And I feel like the AFC, even more than the NFC, there's just parody has reigned so far in 2021. So I don't really know what the hell to think about this. Maybe you guys can help us out. I think it's really challenging. And the other thing that I think is going to play a part in this, and we'll talk about it. It seems like Kyle Shanahan kills the Bengals. With the 49ers, his entire, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but you go back to Zach Taylor's first home game in Cincinnati as a coach of the Bengals, and it was that blowout in 2019. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Just historically, there's a lot of trauma for Bengals fans around the 49ers and those Super Bowls way back when. So there, there's a lot going on and playoff stakes, all this stuff. I can't wait. I mean, I can't wait to see how it turns out. It could go any number of directions. I think the the Las Vegas betters feel the same there. The line is Cincinnati favored by one, which is a little bit on the fence there. Neutral site, that means usually, you know, three points. The Niners might be favored two at a neutral site. So we'll see how you guys feel about that at the end of this show. Um, one of the big things going on with the 49ers right now is who's not playing. And it is the guy they traded up for in the draft. Number three overall, Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. For 49ers fans out there, can you rewind to when Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick in the draft and what that was like? Was it like, okay, how early should he play? When's he going to play? Is it just a no-brainer that he's got to play as a rookie? Because right now it's looking more and more like we might not see Trey Lance if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy for the entirety of the rest of his rookie season. Oh, it was absolutely Joe Burrow's playing. What, what's going to happen to Andy Dalton? Do they trade Andy Dalton? Do they, you know, ship him away? And a few days later, they ended up just releasing him. And uh, he ended up in That's Dallas. But yeah, it was no brainer. Uh, Joe Burrow's going to start right away. He's uh, the future of the franchise. And, you know, there, there's good to that, certainly. And, and there's bad to that. And I, I, the good was, I think Burrow was ready to lead the Bengals to a winning record last year. The bad is... The Bengals weren't ready to have a winning record last year, and that's why uh, we saw them with the record they had before he got injured. But uh, there was no doubt when he got drafted that uh, they were going to play him right away, even though they did have, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo right now, better than what Andy Dalton was last year You know, during the draft. But even though they did have an established quarterback on the roster, there was no no denying that Joe Burrow was going to be QB1. Do you guys think the that's The 49ers. Well, Jimmy oh, Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo now better than Andy Dalton then? You guys like Jimmy Garoppolo in, in San Francisco? Oh, whew, it depends on the day, and it depends on who you ask. I, I think you really have a good idea of who Jimmy Garoppolo is now. But, yeah, I would put Jimmy G 2021 ahead of 2020 Andy Dalton. I think that's mm-hmm. fair. Um, and I think the expectations of the team to win with the veteran quarterback is maybe a different dynamic. But I find it interesting because that was the crocky plan, right? And that's kind of what we had talked about. I was like, well, 
what are we doing with Jimmy G then? You went up to get this quarterback. Let's play this quarterback, right? Because you already know you want to replace yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think if if Croc and I were both in charge, correct me if I'm wrong, Croc, we would have gone with the same plan that the Bengals went with the year before. Yeah, I think the biggest difference, and yeah, 100%, we would have let Jimmy go, traded him, whatever it was, let's go with the young guy, and he's going to take his lumps, right? I think the, the difference is Kyle Shanahan is under a different microscope. You know, he's a guy who has one winning season in four years, but has all these expectations. So I think it was a lot tougher for him to just say, oh, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off and go with this rookie who, not just a rookie, I mean, played at the FCS level, only played one year, hadn't played in a year. I'm going to go with him to, to lead us and potentially have one winning season in five years. I think that, that just sounds so terrible for a coach with so such high expectations. So I think for Kyle, he had to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around and really had to kind of stick with that plan. And as we see right now, he's not really deterring away from it. What's the feeling in San Francisco around Kyle Shanahan then? Because it's interesting to compare these coaching staffs. I think Kyle Shanahan, people all the time I see on Twitter are like, why, why does Kyle Shanahan get slack? He doesn't win. Why, why, why is he seen as this faultless wonder kid where wonderkind where uh, Zach Taylor, on the other hand, you know, everybody, all the Bengals fans were like, not all many Bengals fans are ready to fire him last year. James Rapine, some of the, some of the beat writers ready to say, let him go move on, find another coach. Don't make the same mistakes you used to make Bengals where you keep the coach the extra year. Now, a lot of forgiveness and a lot of, uh, I don't know about backtreading, but you know what I mean? Like Zach Taylor has a lot more rope now. What's the feeling with Shanahan? Is he on a hot seat? Was he on a hot seat or, or does he still have some leash out there? There was never a hot seat, but there definitely was more scrutiny this year than there had been in previous years. You know, he just signed a, what was it? Six year contract ex extension when he was only three years into his previous contract. So, I mean, just financially, like that, looking at it from a financial standpoint, they can't let him go. And they can't do anything. And he has like there's no offset clause in his contract. So even if you were to let him go, typically you could fire a coach. And if they get picked up by another team, then, you know, you're not on the hook for that money. Not the case for Kyle Shanahan. You're on the hook for all of that. So <laughs> never on the hot seat, but definitely the scrutiny. And I believe it was warranted when you look at the situation, you know, the lack of wins throughout his tenure as a 49er. You can justify a lot of things, but just a lot of the moves that he either made or didn't make and why the 49ers were in the position that they're in. And then to go through all that and start two and four and had a four-game losing streak in the midst of all that just wasn't, wasn't ideal. Even now, we're talking about a team that's six and six, and I believe most of the losses have happened because of just a lot of undisciplined play. Well, who does that fall on? I believe that falls on the coaching staff. Now, guys have been kind of, you know, making other people the scapegoat, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's uh, Coach Hightower, who's a special teams coordinator, Right, they've gone to him even more so than Kyle Shanahan. So he's still kind of getting a pass somewhat, but uh, definitely not on the hot, hot seat. And I will say our last podcast was titled, Did the 49ers Get Outcoached? So there is some scrutiny happening with <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. It's not so much of a hot seat thing. It's just like, okay, Kyle, 
we know you're your offensive genius, play designer and all that, but big picture stuff, what's going on here? Do you need some help there? Do you need some game management help in the fourth quarter end of game situations with, with clock management? Do you need somebody else like that's a assistant head coach that's been around a really long time to bounce ideas off, off of that's not related to you. That's not your dad, you know, cause his dad is a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure that's a phone call away, but someone else in the building, maybe somebody that he's not related to somebody else that maybe he's never even coached with before, you know, that's well thought of and well-respected around the league that has different ideas than he does because he's got so much control in the organization and maybe he's got just too much on his plate. So that's where I would look to maybe more delegation for Kyle Shanahan, but I don't think it's a hot seat situation. It doesn't get warm until next year. If Trey Lance turns out not to be the guy, then I think both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan both get on the hot seat because they went all in on this rookie quarterback. And it seems like they're still not ready to go with him yet. I think the, the, the weirder thing through all this is that he's kind of the big dog, right? He's looked at as the big brother and has like this tree of like coaches, whether it's Zach Taylor, Sean McVay, uh, you know, LaFleur, and they are all having more success than him. And that's the interesting part. So with guys that came up under him and were his quality control guys or his passing uh, quarterback coach or his uh, tight end coach and Sean McVay, all these guys that worked under him, what what are they doing different? They learned from him, but somehow they've been able to have more success for whatever reason. Now, LaFleur, that's the easy one. Okay, you got Aaron Rodgers. But Zach Taylor, I mean, he started from the bottom, bottom with the Bengals. And even he's been able to get more out of a Bengals team. Well, I think if you just look at the rosters on paper, you would probably say the 49ers are more talented then. Yeah, it's, it's it's probably close, but I agree with you. I think they certainly had higher expectations. Um, the other part about it for Taylor, like he's not out of the woods, like 625 and one coming into this year. I get it. They start seven and four, but, and I think it's realistic to think that they could, especially with all the injuries and we'll dive into it, lose to the 49ers. If they fall to seven and six and potentially don't make the playoffs and finish eight, and nine or nine and eight, even in that range. Are we sure he's the guy? I still think it's a question mark going into year four. I'm not saying he's going to get fired by any stretch, but but I still think he's got something to prove if he can't get them to the playoffs after the start that they got off to. All right, we've got more questions for you guys about those Cincinnati Bengals. I know you have more questions for us about the San Francisco 49ers in advance of this week 14 matchup, but I want to let the listeners know about Stat Hero. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose winning feels so much better but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against and um, i've been playing a lot of fantasy sports for a long time i used to write fantasy blurbs that you probably have read at some point over the course of the last 10 years and i'm getting destroyed in year-long fantasy football this season because you lose Derrick Henry's of the world and you, you, you have bad matchups here or there or players uh, get hurt and you're done. Your whole season's done. So how about stat hero, the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head to head fantasy matchups, winner take all. And here's the crazy part. Stat hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. Never before seen innovation of a fantasy sports and fantasy betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate. You just choose a couple of running backs to beat. 
stat heroes, couple of running backs that they're challenging you to beat. It's super simple, super easy. The odds are in your favor and a heck of a lot of fun with stat hero. You are in control of the stakes. Stat hero head to head is what daily fantasy should be one on one. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on and use that promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Fellas, uh, my main question here this is the thing that worries me the most about this matchup for the 49ers in Cincinnati is the weapons on the outside, the, the young pass catchers. I've seen. T. Higgins, Moss, people, multiple weeks. Uh, he's got such good ball skills down the field and his length. And then Jamar Chase is a, is a freak of nature athlete. You know, some drops preseason. Looked like he cleaned that up. One of the worst drops I saw all season. Actually, one was Gerald Everett against the Niners last week, and one was Jamar Chase. Both ended in interceptions, uh, which can't happen. And it's almost as if T. Higgins, correct me if I'm wrong, has taken back over that number one wide receiver spot from Jamar Chase. Or maybe it's a matchup thing or whatever. But those two guys scare the bejesus out of me if I'm a 49ers fan because the Niners are banged up in the secondary. And you're probably looking at Dante Johnson and... Josh Norman and Josh Norman was never fast to begin with. And uh, he'll be grabbing one of those dudes, whoever he's covering there. So you hope he doesn't get flagged a lot. That's the matchup that worries me. Um, talk to me about, and, and maybe calm. Like, should we be worried about that? Maybe the 49ers fans that are listening to this show. Should they be worried? Or is it not that big of a, a problem for opposing defenses to cover those two guys? I think it's a problem. I think that's fair to say, especially if you're banged up in the secondary, kind of the way the Bengals have approached this and Joe Burrow has approached this is he's going to find a corner that he thinks he can pick on and he's going to keep throwing at the guy for the whole game. You go to the last couple of weeks in particular that they've had banged up secondaries that they've gone against uh, against Pittsburgh. It was James Pierre playing for Joe Hayden and 42 couldn't do anything the whole game with T Higgins. And you're seeing a lot of defenses cloud Jamar Chase at this point. And I think that's causing some hesitation with Joe Burrow at times, a strip sack, the very first drive uh, against the, uh, the chargers last week where he injures his pinky. Jamar chase is running free on a go route, gets an inside release though. And, and the safety's kind of late to get over there. Maybe Burrow's expecting cloud. Maybe he can't decide where to go with the ball, but I, I kind of wonder if the tendencies have caused Burrow to hesitate a little bit going to chase. Obviously later in the game, he drops one in the bucket to chase coughs up so you know are the drops something that are going to be a consistent issue for jamar chase i don't think so i think he's too good it wasn't an issue at lsu it's not like he has you know small hands or things that we actually have evidence you know that this is a physical issue it seems like a mental concentration thing from him that drop against the the chargers last week is the first time i've seen him do it on a vertical ball and so what the bengals are probably going to do with these guys and don't forget about tyler boyd in the slot of course, I know the 49ers a little bit more stout up the middle than a lot of teams, but they're going to find the matchups they like and, and they're going to try to pick on them. And it, the one thing that Joe Burrow has been really good about is making that pre-snap, post-snap read, identifying the changes in coverage, and, and he's not getting tricked. So if you try to trick him by rolling coverage one way or the other to try to bait him into a throw, he's generally been pretty good at that and, and avoiding those tricks except for in this one situation when he turns his back to the line of scrimmage and play action. So that's the one place you might get him. You might get some sacks. You might get a pick. He, he's been kind of rough in those areas, but that's my idea of, of where 
the Bengals would like to attack the 49ers with the passing offense. It must be nice to have a quarterback that can pick it on is. a cornerback. Yeah. I knew Croc was going to say that. I, I could see the look in his face because we've talked about that. Kyle Shanahan is a play caller and Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't really do that. Find the weakness. They they want to they want to use your rules as an entire defense against you. Uh, that's kind of Kyle Shanahan's play calling style. He's not so much a let's find the weakness and go attack that. And and Croc and I have talked about that. And I could just see the look on his face when you mentioned that Joe Burrow uh, likes to go after the weakness of an opposing defense because I think mm-hmm. it's a genius. It's the thing to do in this day and age in the NFL. You have an advantage. Go utilize it very opposite approaches i think a lot of bengals fans are asking for more of what kyle shanahan does and is like scheme a guy open instead of mm-hmm. hey call a play and let joe burrow make the decision and find find a weak spot to attack and and when you have a quarterback like burrow you know th- there's merits to both i think jonah williams uh riley reef those are the starting offensive tackles in week 14 correct uh how do you think they're going to block up nick bosa because if the 49ers are going to help out their defensive backs it's all about getting to the quarterbacks getting to joe burrow putting pressure on him and uh that starts and a lot of times ends with nick bosa on this 49ers defensive line jonah williams certainly someone that you want in that situation of, of all the linemen uh, Riley Reef's coming off of an ankle injury. He didn't play against the Chargers, did practice on Wednesday. I think he's going to play on Sunday, and they almost held him out just for precautionary reasons more than anything, and they might be kicking themselves that they didn't play him. So, yeah, I expect him to play this week. And, yeah, it's been, for the most part this year, especially offensive line-wise, the the strength of the offensive line was how consistent that you know their tackles have been, and they're comfortable at times putting them on, on an island Against a guy like Bosa, they'll probably give him some help. Uh, you know, both guys, depending on the situation and uh, game scripts, obviously going to matter a lot. They're going to try to uh, avoid third and 14, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think they're confident in those guys' ability to hold up enough against a guy like Bosa. They faced Miles Garrett, they faced the other Bosa last week. And it's just, it, it's been, I don't know about you, Jake, it feels like they're facing a great pass rusher every single week. And maybe it's just because there's a great pass rusher on every team. But it's it's wild to think about. It's been a big topic on our conver- on our show uh, each and every week, the pass rushers on the other team. It, it does feel like every week, whether it's an interior defensive lineman or an edge rusher, when you face Miles Garrett twice a year, you have TJ Watt on the schedule twice a year. That's true. It, 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 and, and the NFC North on the schedule this year. So there's there's a few guys in that division. It's just the way the schedule works out. You got both Boses this year. I mean, talk about a, a string of pass, pass rushers. Yeah, that's tough getting two Boses and not being in one of those divisions either. So, um, how about okay? I, I got some questions about the defensive side of the ball, actually. And um, Trey Henderson has been awesome, and I, I wasn't sure in the offseason, you know, Carl Lawson, I've been a big fan of ever since college, and, and you know, he's one of my favorites coming out of Auburn. But um, letting him walk and, and signing Trey Henderson turns out to be a fantastic move for the Cincinnati Bengals. Z line end up mostly on the right side because uh, what probably the thing that worries me next most after those two young receivers going against the Niners secondary is Tom Compton at right tackle. I think fifth rounder Jalen Moore should be starting at right tackle personally, but it'll probably be Tom Compton and he's just getting beat like a drum is Hendrickson moving around. Is he only on the right side? Is he going to see some action on the left side? And if not, who's Compton going to be getting beat by on Sunday? Hendrickson is going to be exclusively, unless they diverge Uh from their plans previously this year, he's going to be getting beat like a drum by the best left tackle in football. I mean, talk about things that scare me in this matchup, and I'm sure we'll talk about them. Trent Williams is number one through, I don't know, three on the list 
and and maybe you know George Kittle is in that conversation too. Those two guys terrify me. But Hendrickson has been an exclusively right side guy this year. He's been a great pass rusher. I I don't think he's been great against the run, quite frankly. And and this is what's concerning about this matchup. No matter which running back Kyle Shanahan employs, seems like he finds success against the Bengals, and and his school of running finds success against the Bengals. And when you got Lake and Tomlinson besides beside Trent Williams on the left side there, that's pretty scary. And and I think the Bengals will probably go five two. They're they're very injured at linebacker as well, and they're just going to put extra defensive linemen on the field and try to control things that way. But for Tom Compton, it's going to be Sam Hubbard on the other side. And Hubbard is a great run defender to his credit and probably an average pass rusher, I would say. So that'll be interesting. And, and I'm excited to see DJ Reader and how he, who they went out and got in free agency last year, still one of the best nose tackles in football, criminally underrated, one of the best interior defensive linemen, period, in the NFL, in my opinion. Excited to see him and if he can make a difference against a potent running team. They faced the Browns, obviously, earlier this year. Didn't go so well. And that's one of the reasons they went, went out and got DJ Reader. Of course, it takes more than a nose tackle to stop a run game, especially one that likes to stress the edges, as I imagine we'll see with Shanahan and the 49ers this week. But I'm sure we'll have time to talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah, that seems unideal. Uh, I don't, and I, Even if it's not the normal game plan, I would put Hendrickson on the left side and I would put Hubbard if he's the better run defender on the right side up against uh up against Trent Williams since you're not going to win many pass rush reps there anyway but um I don't know that's just me I'm not getting paid the big bucks to make those kinds of decisions um more questions for each other I want to turn it over to you guys before we run out of time and make some quick predictions on this week 14 contest next but I want to let the listeners know about a very special offer from on location and it's never too early to start thinking about the Super Bowl, especially when it's all going down so close to home for us in California from San Francisco. Quick little shot down the highway to L.A. Noted traffic in both cities, but that's OK. Once you're uh, in between, you can be moving pretty quickly. A little bit longer of a trip for those of you in Ohio. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place where a to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Who knows? Could be Niners-Bengals in Super Bowl 56 in L.A. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food chefed up by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or su- search Super Bowl on location. That's on location, exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. I have a Super Bowl feeling about this season. Let's get there with on location. Maybe you do think it's going to be Bengals 49ers Super Bowl matchup round three at SoFi. And if so, you can bet on that and you can win some money while you do it at betonline.ag. They have you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues in the postseason less than six weeks away. So check out their new updated desktop or, like I do, use your mobile device. And it's really easy to use. And while you're there and you sign up and maybe you want to bet on, you know, Joe Burrow being comeback player of the year, or maybe you want to bet on the 49ers coming back and, and not only making the playoffs, but 
making a Super Bowl run. You can do all of that and more at betonline.ag. And right now, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up with promo code locked on. It's that simple. Betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Get free money that you can use to bet on Steph Curry and the Warriors, Bengals 49ers, and anything and everything in between. Betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Betonline, where the game starts. They've well, got guys. Let, one, oh. Sorry, you, you got me thinking about Steph Curry. He's going to break the all-time threes record. I think they've got 100 to one odds right now at Bet Online for if he breaks the record with 16 threes uh, tonight. I don't know if anybody will have watched it. Is the game? I think it's tonight's game. Yeah, it uh, is tonight. It is tonight. tonight. It's funny. I, don't know I, I didn't mention. I didn't mention Steph because we're on with you guys. By the way, I love Steph, and so okay. ask Jake. I, I mention him all the time in those Bet Online reads. <laughs> That's fantastic. And the other thing, this is comeback player of the year bowl. Bosa versus Burrow, right? If Bosa oh. is Bosa yeah. and Burrow, I think they're the leading candidates for comeback player no. of the year. If Bosa right. does his job, makes it harder for Burrow, does that put him on top? Look, if Niners can't get home. Does Burrow go deep on the Niners defense and solidify I, his comeback player I, of the year? I know you guys cover the 49ers, but the Dallas Cowboys have a quarterback who is by far the favorite for comeback player of the year. I'm just saying. I know y'all don't like the the Cowboys <laughs> in San Francisco. I know there's some history there, but Dak does exist. Nah, he's Unfortunately trapped. for for all of our listeners, I think because they're all like, "Well, dang it, our favorite player should be comeback player of the year." Sorry, I'm just here and, to rain on your parade. Dead. Yeah, it, hey, that, that's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, well, depending on who you're thinking there. A- anyways, uh, let's uh, let's dive into the San Francisco side of things. We've talked about Burrow a little bit. Let's talk about Jimmy G because, yeah, I I feel it. I sense it The that, that there are people that didn't want Jimmy Garoppolo to start this year. How has he played overall and specifically over the past few weeks as the 49ers try to make their playoff push? I, I think he has done well. He has been the guy that they've kind of coddled with, like, kitty gloves. They kind of handle him with kitty gloves where they want to lean more on the run game uh, most people would tell you that the 49ers have to run the ball 40 times to win. That's kind of like the magic number, and that's what's going to help Jimmy Garoppolo out and and make it to where he's not doing things to turn the ball over. Uh, Jimmy still can have these games where he does do very well, but the more he throws, the more likely something bad is going to happen. And that We have a, a 49er beat writer. His name is Grant Cohn. He covers the 49ers, and he put out some numbers. And when Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball more than 30 times, his record is not good. When he throws it less than 30 times, his ex- his record is, like, excellent. So they want to really lean on the game and not throw as much. I think most people know who he is, so I don't get as upset with Jimmy Garoppolo when something weird happens, but definitely plays well enough more times than not to be able to win a game. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Jimmy G, but but before I do – uh, my my question, I, I alluded to this when we were talking about the Bengals' defensive line. George Kittle is the second most scary thing for me right now with Debo Samuel looking kind of doubtful this week. Would you say that Jimmy Garoppolo will target his wide receivers collectively more times, less times, or the same amount of times as George Kittle if if, if you were game planning and, and thinking about where you would want the ball to go for the 49ers offense? I think last week was a huge revelation and probably reminded everybody, including Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, that you got to get 
you got to get George Kittle more involved. I think he had one catch the week before. And whether Debo's playing or not, and I think it's at this point unlikely that Debo plays this week. I think it's smart to keep him out one more week if the 49ers do have playoff aspirations and, and want to keep him healthy. Um, George Kittle has to be involved. And Brandon Ayuk has to be involved too. But Kittle is so good and so important to the passing game, not just as a, a run blocker, which he's been mostly – for the last you know few weeks this season, um, you got to get him involved in the passing game. I still think the ball goes to wide receivers probably more and definitely more if Debo plays. But if no Debo, then uh, I think you got to at least get double digit targets to George Kittle because he's too important. He's a heart and soul player of the offense. You got to get the ball in his hands and get that going. And that's where Jimmy G lives in the middle of the field anyway. So you know, a couple big plays to Iuke feed the running game, and feed George Kittle heavily. And if Debo Samuel is available and Debo Samuel is playing, then, yeah, feed him heavily as well, both as a runner and a receiver. But uh, Kittle's got to be more involved, and I think that was clear as day last week. James, can I jump in with a follow-up here real quick? I'm going to do it. Yeah, I did it. Uh, So I I saw a tweet today, a couple tweets I want to mention that I thought are kind of comical. One of them is like, Imagine if George Kittle wasn't good at run blocking and they had to use him as a pass catcher, as a dynamic pass catching weapon he is. I thought that was kind of funny. Like imagine, you know, if he if the temptation wasn't there for him to maul guys in the run game. But the other thing was uh, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders tweeting that the Bengals are 29th in the NFL in passing DVOA for throws going to the middle of the field. Is it true that, the, am I right in my thinking here that Kyle Shanahan wants to stress you horizontally in the run game and kind of in the middle of the field more in the passing game. Is that an accurate assumption? That's Jimmy Garoppolo's strength. When Jim, where Jimmy Garoppolo is efficient and more accurate and more willing to throw, it's over the middle. And he has really good run after catch guys, especially when Debo Samuel is in there. If when you look at that, you know, that heat chart thing that they with all the little dots, they're all inside the hashes. I mean, there might be one or two that might be outside, not the hash, excuse me, the numbers. There might be one or two throws outside the numbers, but for the most part, 95% of his passes are inside the the numbers and another good amount are inside the hashes. He wants to throw over the middle. He wants to throw in timing with rhythm. And typically when he does that, we see the best version of Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, he also can get in trouble doing that. He threw two interceptions in that middle of the field last week, but... I'd say more times than not, that's where he's most comfortable throwing the ball and can be really good at it. Before we get to predictions, uh, let's talk a little bit about this defense. We talked about Bosa. We talked about the secondary a little bit, but where uh, are are the strengths? Where should our uh, Bengals fans be aware of? Because I know Warner practiced on Wednesday. I expect him back. Uh, So the 49ers getting healthier, I guess, in the front seven? Yeah, definitely getting healthier in the front seven. The defensive line has been pretty good especially lately against the run uh the linebackers have stepped up in recent weeks when fred warner was out aziz alshair who was an undrafted free agent a couple years ago has been really awesome so that's a really good one-two punch for the 49ers whether or not um dre greenlaw comes back or when he comes back i don't think it's even a problem because of the way that warner and aziz alshair have been playing so um that's huge for the 49ers. I think they've been getting pretty good play from their safeties, which has helped out the guys on the outside. Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart both are pretty underrated players. And then when Tart's been banged up, they've had their fifth round um, draft pick from USC, the rookie, 
Talanoa Hufanga, who's been pr- playing pretty well, and he, he's definitely a good box safety. I don't know about him when they try to go interchange and they put him at deep safety. That would be somewhere that Joe Burrow should probably attack if they try to do that. But um, yeah, I, good against the run. Against the pass, it's been all Bosa as a pass rusher, but they have had guys rotate in and out and make a few plays. Arden Key here and there, Eric Armstead here and there. DJ Jones had an awesome week as your one technique last week. He was he's been fantastic and really an unheralded player around the league. So um I think front seven wise, they're in a pretty good place and even better place, especially against the run, if it's not Joe Mixon out there Sunday and it's uh who am I going to pick up by the way guys am I picking up Samaj P Ryan is that what I'm looking at if yeah. if Samaj P Ryan has to play and Joe Mixon is sick all week that would be the one I, I have one last defensive question I know we're going a little bit long here uh, Robert, uh, I wanted to touch on the that the defensive strengths real quick because I've been defending the secondary this whole I was time, gonna go and there's some numbers that came out yeah there, there's some numbers came out so one the 49ers are fifth against the pass in the league Right now, I don't know about the deal DVOA numbers or whatnot, but passing yards, they're fifth in the league. And then like yards per attempt or yard per yards per completion or whatever, they're top 10 at that. So if one thing the 49ers secondary has done a really good job of, and maybe it's the defensive line getting back there, but they've been really limiting the big plays. Where they have gotten hurt is they lead the league in pass interferences and they have the most pass interference yards given up. So if you are a Bengals team that wants to take shots. There have been times when the 49ers secondary panic at the catch point and potentially, you know, you can draw a penalty there, but overall, like on more of a consistent basis, I I don't think they play as bad as most people think. They just have some weird moments, especially with guys like Josh Norman. He has some weird moments where he'll misjudge a ball in the air completely with the ball will still go out of bounds. He'll still celebrate, you know, like, they have these really weird moments where you're like, you're not good. Why are you doing that? But overall, throughout an entire game, they don't get beat as many times as other defenses around the league. My, my question was going to be with the Bengals, they're, they're going to be in 11 personnel for a lot of the game. They might go heavy from time to time, especially if Joe Mixon gets back and, and try to run the ball a little bit. But what what are the Bengals, what should the Bengals and Joe Burrow expect schematically from the secondary? Are they playing a lot of single high, a lot of two high, or – what, what's the defensive philosophy in terms of coverage on the back half to deal with this trio of receivers? Well, they, they, they played more too high. I think they play a little bit more man this year than maybe in years past. Uh, they have a terrific nickel in Kwan Williams, who if you are a more, you know, 11 personnel run offense, it doesn't matter for him because he's really good against the run. He'll get out there, defeat blocks, get in there, make tackles. He's a smaller guy, but he's really scrappy at that point. I think where you can get him is if you have a guy like Tyler Boyd and Tyler Boyd runs more like vertically pushing routes from the slot. That's kind of where you can get uh, Kawan Williams in a bind. I don't know if his coverage downfield is as good, but as far as defending the run uh, against an 11 personnel team, they have guys that run well sideline to sideline. Uh, Aziz Alshair, he just had 16 tackles, tackle for loss, forced fumble, uh, half a sack. And I was playing without Fred Warner. I'm assuming Fred Warner will probably be back this week. So I think with the 49ers team speed, especially at the next level, it kind of plays in their hands if you run more 11 personnel. What are we looking at here, guys, for predictions in week 14? We've got Cincinnati favored by one. The over-under is 48 and a half points. 
I'm a little uneasy going in either direction. I just feel like there's so much unknown with these two teams in which direction the game can go. For me, some of it depends on the health of guys like Emmanuel Mosley and guys like Elijah Mitchell. If they're both healthy, I think it would be a lot easier for me to say, okay, Niners can you know roll coverage one way, let Emmanuel Mosley play on uh, T. Higgins or Jamar Chase and, and feel a little bit better about that run the ball on offense, play a game control game, play their kind of bully ball they want to play and come out of this one with a win on the road. But the fact that those two guys right now, if I had to guess, aren't going to play, that worries me a little bit more. So uh, for me, I think whoever's getting points is what I would go with. And since you're getting one point with uh, with Cincinnati, the Niners favored by uh, one point. Or no, sorry, the, the Niners getting one point, Cincinnati favored by one. I'll take the Niners. But uh, I think this is just going to be one that I wouldn't put my money on. I'm just going to kick up my feet and, and watch an NFC team play an AFC team and, and see if we can learn something about these guys and, and see uh, which good team shows up. Croc, how do you see this one going can, for the can, Niners? Can Go I ahead. jump in and correct you real quick? Because oh, the line you? has moved. Oh, has it? Okay. The, the 49ers are now favored as of Wednesday night. By a point and a half, I think on the news that Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, et cetera, are not practicing oh. on Wednesday. You're right. I didn't refresh it. Okay. We've got, yeah, we got Niners favored by one and a half now. That's very interesting. So give me, the I would wings. be, by the way, I would be shocked if the Joes didn't play. Yeah. Just oh, you think being Mixon there too. today. Yeah. Mixon too. Yeah. He's, he, they just, it's more of a precaution. They don't want his like cold. To, to get to the, you know, other players and stuff. So, yeah. And it's not COVID or anything like that. It's not. Illness. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that worries me a little bit for the 49ers more full strength and you're getting those, you're getting that point of point and a half for the Bengals. So against the spread, give me the Bengals straight up. Give me the Niners. How's that for sitting on the fence? There you go. That's there you go. The I, for sure. uh, crack. Go ahead. Oh no. I was going to say, you know, I, I look at this game and I know for the 49ers, it's tough because they've been so inconsistent. You're not sure exactly what team you're going to get. But I do know one thing. More times than not, when Kyle Shanahan plays against one of his protégés, right, one of those coaches from his coaching tree, he usually kind of kicks their butt. He usually does very well. I think the first time he lost to one of them was to LaFleur this year, and that was when, you know, Aaron Rodgers drove down the field with 37 seconds left and no timeouts. So – I'm I'm not confident with this, but I'm going to take the Niners on the road, but solely because of his track record against coaches that he's very familiar with. Yeah, I'm taking the Niners too uh, for a couple of reasons. One, the Bengals are still banged up. T. Higgins as well, we'll see. And even if all these guys play and come back, Bro isn't going to be 100%, right? The, you know, T. Higgins isn't going to be 100%. The, the tackles, or, or excuse me, Trey Hopkins and uh, Riley Reef not going to be 100%. So that's part of it. The other part of it is this team needs to show it can win games like this that are super physical and th that are, you know, this Kyle Shanahan scheme. And we just talked about the Trey Hendrickson part of it. He should line up on the right side, right? And if they're not willing to do that, then that's going to be really hard to overcome. And uh, just little things like that, that I, I think uh, when you combine Jamar Chase's recent struggles, it's, it, it's hard. So is there a path for the Bengals to win? Absolutely. And Bengals fans don't fret. We'll, we'll talk about those on our, uh, on our preview show, but uh, I'll take the 49ers by three 30 to 27. Everybody that listens to lockdown Bengals knows that I graciously declined to predict. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. What a loser. Right? Wow. <laughs> 
Uh, imagine imagine <laughs> yeah, not predicting football games because we're so good at that as football analysts, right? Like we're just really good at picking winners. What's your record, James? It doesn't matter. At least I do it. Like that's <laughs> which way are you leaning? It's Wednesday night. Which way would you lean? I, I'm I'm pretty worried about the state of injuries for the Bengals right now. I, I can definitely see a path to both teams winning. It, it's a little early in the week for me to really have a strong feeling. I'm, I'm feeling a lot like I did going into the Chargers game where I could see it going either way. So uh, as non-committal as Brian, but uh, people that listen to the Lockdown Bengals podcast do know that I'll say if I'm feeling good about a game. I don't know that I'm feeling good or bad about this game, but there's a lot of history that scares me. And Trent Williams, like how much can a left tackle individually win you a football game? That's what I'm wondering right now. And that's what scares me a little bit. Yeah, I've talked he's about good. Whenever you think of Trent Williams in your head, whenever you think about him in your head, he's probably like 10 times better than that. Yeah, he's no, really he's good. 10 times better than that. Yeah, just line up Kittle to the left of Trent Williams, run left all day long. I, I don't know why the 49ers don't just stop screwing around with the right side. Just go left all day because those two guys can just destroy people. And their their wide receivers have been blocking pretty well this year too. I've loved seeing that. I think that's part of the reason why Ayuk might have been in the doghouse a little bit for Kyle Shanahan to start the season. I will note that this is also a West Coast start time. So body clocks, this does help the 49ers even though they're on the road. No, they've changed it. What? They changed it to four from one. They flexed it to four o'clock to accommodate yeah. the traveling San Francisco 49ers, which is really like, come on, what are we doing here? It's a Bengals home game. They tried to put it at more of a primetime time. I yeah. think that's what they tried to do. I know. Yeah. I just like to complain about it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> By the way, I was on Trent Williams Island last year before he got traded to, to San Francisco. I said that the Bengals, oh man, what you guys ripped off Washington. I, yeah, I don't know what the heck was going on I think there. That was all Trent because I, from what I understand, the Vikings had a deal in place and Trent Williams would have had to do a new deal and he didn't want to. So the Vikings backed out. So basically Trent Williams flexed because he basically he was going to walk. So he didn't. And so teams, the Niners were okay um, trading for a guy who was going to go into a walk year and still give up something for him. Yep. And the other teams weren't. So I think that's why it ended up being the 49ers. And I think that's what Trent wanted to go back and play for Kyle Shanahan anyway. So uh, he kind of got his wish there. So I don't know if the Bengals even could have done it. Yeah, but probably not. But the, the point is, is he's still amazing. And you got him for yes. uh, the 49ers got him for a second and a fifth. Like they stole him. Wasn't it a second and a fifth or something? No, uh, it was less than that. It was less than that. Oh, man. I think him. it was a fourth and. Croc, what was it? I can't remember. Third I remember. and a fifth. It was a steal, Maybe. whatever. Third and a fifth, is yeah. that what it was? It was something like that. It, whatever it was, it was at the time. I, it was a fifth that year and a third the following year. Yep, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Anyways. We figured it out. We got to the bottom of it. Just in time to, to wrap up. Did it. All right. Jake yeah, Lisco's we'll biggest fear of, in Sunday's game is this third and fifth round. <laughs> Terrifying. guy. That's Yeah. <laughs> If you had to line up and go against an NFL player, would Trent Williams be the 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 last on your list of players you'd have to face? Aaron Donald would be there too, right? Mm -hmm. Like some of these defensive guys, but he's he's near the bottom for sure if he's not at the very bottom. Yeah, with with Aaron Donald, he would just get by you so fast, it wouldn't hurt you as much as a pancake from Trent Williams. If Aaron Donald saw me in front of him, he would just He'd run right through me and trample me, and I would be in the hospital. Croc, which wide receiver in the NFL could you lock up right now today? Uh, pretty much all of them. 
<laughs> Sounds you like a cornerback, man. That's confidence of a defensive back. Yeah. Right there. Uh, just that don't is. throw it. Just don't throw it at Crocker because you know he's not going to catch it because DB's got no hands and can't catch. That's why they play defense. All right. Uh, good stuff, guys. We went really long here, but <laughs> fun conversation talking Niners and Bengals. I'm excited to see this week 14 matchup in Cincinnati. Uh, thanks to all the listeners out there. You can find James at James Rapine on Twitter. You can find Jake at Jake Lisco. I'm at BD Peacock. Eric at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks for making Locked On 49ers and Locked On Bengals your first listen every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network.